go if you, if you are going to consider having surgery or if you think about surgery get some test kits go get some stoma supplies and just wear having a bag on for a couple of days see how you feel that really helped me adjust to what my body would then look like it's going to be a bumpy road like don't get me wrong like nothing is perfect nothing is smooth sailing you are going to have complications you may have to go back for additional procedures or you may have hospital visits or whatever it might be but you have to look at it from maybe a long-term perspective it gave me so much more freedom having this Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. So, Ant, welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? You all good? I'm really good, actually. I just got back from the gym. So, yeah, feeling feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. Oh, mate. Well, you've got a really decent schedule then. That if you get to, <laughs> I've just got work. So I have to do all my workouts either first thing in the morning or at lunch breaks at the moment. Just to get, just got to get it in where you can. You've got to get it in where you can, don't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so first thing that I always ask everyone is how do you refer to your disability? And the reason that I ask this is because I think that everybody's disability, whilst we might all have diagnosis, everybody refers to their own disability very individually. So how yeah. do you refer to yours? I, I refer to mine as a disability and I'm disabled and I'm proud to uh, have that sort of, not badge if you will, but I'm proud to say that I am a disabled individual. Um, there are a lot of people in my sort of space that have um, ileostomies. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people say, oh, I'm not disabled, I am differently abled in that sort of sense. But I've I've always viewed it as, uh, you know, medical practitioners and doctors have said, you are now disabled, you qualify for disability benefits and mm-hmm. various, uh, you know, options in terms of, you know, when I was at university, they were like, well, you can go into a separate room and have extra times with your exams. So I was like, yeah, okay, well, if I'm disabled, then fine, I'll have it. And I've always seen myself that way around. Um, and I'm happy to have that sort of, uh, I won't say badge, but I don't mind being put in the, the category of being disabled because it makes me, if you will, slightly more unique than others. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just proud that I have that, um, yeah. if that makes sense. I think it's so funny. So I also at uni got extra time. So I got extra time because I have like my brain essentially works too quickly for, for my hand to like keep up to write. And then I got yeah. another 25% because I had a physical disability and I was allowed to be put in a room by myself. And I was like, that's wild. Like yeah. I've literally got 25% of my time like to sit by myself because I don't have a hand. Like that is unbelievable. And there was no way that I was going to be like, yeah, no, I'm not taking that. I was like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Give me the 50% extra time. I will take it. (laughs) I I had exactly the same thing. And I got put in the brand new lecture theatre at university, which was a Uh 200-seater. And I I went, well, I'm just going to go sit in the top right-hand corner, as far away from the invigilator as possible. And he literally looked at me and went, why have you done that? And I went, because I can. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, right, you've got three and a half hours. Like, yeah, I won't need that, but I'll I'll, I'll use it. 
wilder than that. So I was put in the theatre, in the dressing rooms of the theatre, and wow. and there were we were all individual in them. So like I had no idea who was next to me. There was like three like dressing rooms all lined up, and I was put in the first one. And the invigilator sat outside of the dressing rooms in the corridor, just like. And I was like, I could literally be on my phone right now googling this answer. Yeah. Like I, there would be absolutely no way that you would ever be able to prove that I had not just like copy and pasted everything that I've just written from Wikipedia. It was insane. What did you get on your results? Um, well, I got a two, two, so I can't really say it really helped me out, but (laughs) it is what it is. Like I was one mark off a two, one and I was like, Oh, so annoying. (laughs) All you've done the double bluff. You did copy and paste when it's too obvious. I need to cut stuff out. (laughs) (laughs) I need to get rid of the like little mark signs in the corner that are like, yeah, exactly. Go to page two. (laughs) Well, congratulations on your degree, either way. So there we go. Yeah, at least I got it right. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, so, what is your disability, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, no, of course. Well, if, if I mind you asking, I wouldn't have come to this podcast, would I? So, let's be honest. Perfect. I, uh, <laughs> so, um, I have uh, an ileostomy, or sometimes it's classed as a stoma, where uh, in twenty twenty, it's been well over two years now. Um, I had my large colon removed because I had a condition called ulcerative colitis. Okay. Uh, and effectively, um, that basically meant I couldn't really eat properly. So I'd eat food and then without going into too much detail, I would then get severe diarrhea, passing blood, oh my losing loads of weight, you know, couldn't really do much day-to-day activities without like either passing out or whatever going to the toilet I I don't know I'd lose count in fact there was one day I did count before my surgery with my and I remember having a chat with my brother and I went I think I've broken a new record I've gone 34 times today and it's just because you eat food yeah and it would naturally get to your uh, your large colon um, and it would just go it would just reject it and the Yes, it's, 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 it was crazy. Um, the disease in itself is an autoimmune disease, um, and uh, a lot of there's, there's research out there, but it's still unknown is really how we get it, mm-hmm. um, whether it's diet or maybe too, having too much of a, a cleanliness culture. Uh, if it's hereditary, it's, it's becoming more and more common now, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had yeah, loads and loads of um, uh, sort of drug trials and, and medication, which unfortunately all failed. Yeah. So I just said to my doctors, can we just cut it out? I, I, like, I know it sounds silly, but I, I viewed it as um, like if I had a gangrenous limb, as an example, like I saw it as, well, if I, if, if I was in that position, I would amputate it to a certain degree and then I would still have my quality of life. I'd have to obviously have adaptions, but it just makes sense in my sort of yeah. head. And my doctor said, yeah, fine. He said, you're you'll have to adjust to certain things um and yeah i had my surgery and i've been loving life since done lots of various podcasts and documentaries on you know mainstream tv and bits and pieces it's been it's been great and it's completely changed my life for the better yeah i was gonna say has it has it completely changed like even like your approach to life because obviously i know how important like fueling your body is so if yeah. you're not able to do that, that must have been such a struggle just to even to do the day-to-day, like making a cup of tea, that type of thing must have been quite difficult. Well, yeah, I mean, you just said you've gone to the gym, so naturally you're going to be, I'd assume, quite passionate about fitness and exercise and stuff like that. 
So I would go to the gym and I would naturally incorporate cardio into it because I would sprint to the toilet backwards and forwards in between weight sessions because that's just what I would have to do. And I'd always be exhausted at the end. And I'd be like, I don't know if that's a good workout or if I'm just knackered because I've, I haven't got any energy. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, you know, uh, jokes aside, it was very difficult. The days where you just, yeah. you wouldn't have the energy to get out of bed. And you'd be like, I just, I, 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 I'll get up, feel dizzy. And just back back to bed. Yeah. Um, and now I have no, no issues, quote unquote, um, at all. I have, you know, I, I can do anything, uh, eat anything. And I have no, no real ramifications. I, t- I take no medication anymore. I don't have any side effects of the drugs. So, yeah, it's great. I've just got a little, um, uh, I'm not allowed to swear any podcasts, I'll say a little poop bag. So <laughs> <laughs> I call it. <laughs> so yeah and that's that's it and you know i'm, I'm quite happy to yeah. <laughs> my friend was telling me this the other day it was just like any opportunity you get and you get your bag out and you take a photo or you do a reel on it and i was like well yeah like yeah it's, it's awareness yeah it is. it is and i think that's that's so vital is that a lot of my friends as well are like oh brooke there's another fitness video gone up and i'm like yeah of course there is i was like hey fitness is something that i'm incredibly passionate about but secondly when i was little there wasn't someone in fitness who looked like me. And so if I think if someone who's younger than me gets to see the things that I can do in the gym, it shows them that they don't have to not go to the gym or that there's options for them to go to the gym. So I think, you know, awareness and like putting yourself out on social media, like whilst it can be daunting, it's so beneficial, not for you, it's for the other people. And I always say it's it's never about the me, it's always about the we. And when yeah. I like when I say that, people are like, oh, I kind of get it a bit more now. Well, I mean, I, I saw um, uh, some of your videos and content that you put on, on, on social media, and the way that you've adapted to certain things, I'm like, this is this is awesome. Like, this is absolutely incredible. Um, and I think I saw that you've done something quite recently um, with uh, a various another company, wherever it was, or something. And I was just like, this is this is amazing. This is exactly what you want to see in that space. Yeah, you exactly. know, see individuals that are you know, doing what you're doing for that, that reason, A, you're passionate about fitness, but B, you want to inspire other individuals to then go and do the same thing. So with all of this, so you only got your, so it's your large intestine that you got taken out. Yes. So is that, is that the big one? Like yeah. the, the one in your body that's kind of like a horseshoe? Okay. Yeah, the big one. Yeah. If, so I've got all, all of that was taken away. Uh-huh. Um, that's why my you may have heard of Crohn's disease. Yeah, yeah. So Crohn's disease and colitis are slightly different. So colitis means colon. Yeah. It's all in the colon. And Crohn's disease is your entire digestive tract. So you can have any any inflammation. So like Crohn's disease. Yeah, anyway. And, you know, uh, the, the reason why I opted for my surgery was because it'd just be easier if I remove that part of my diseased body yeah. then i should haven't have any symptoms um and then the common procedure is once you've got rid of it and um, i don't really know the medical reasons why but you then have your small intestine protrude out of your abdomen and then you have a stoma bag uh-huh. external medical compliant uh, uh you know com- uh, appliance yeah. i believe is what's called. <laughs> yeah. um and you yeah and that and then you eat uh, just a reel on this today when you eat, everything just goes through your normal digestive system. But when it would get to the area where your colon used to be, it just comes out of your abdomen and collects in the back. 
yeah it's just there and so with all of this so you got this happened like you had your operation in 2020 mm-hmm. so how has this affected if it has affected at all like your career and and like your workplace were they accessible were you working at that point in time how did it all work for you so uh, work were incredibly helpful with all of it i mean i I'd, I'd had my condition for a good 11 years prior to my operation anyway wow. um, and yeah so I, I i told them all about it and i had like you know disabled toilets at work and things so i was like if i need to go i'm just gonna go and my boss was like you do whatever you need to mate. that's absolutely fine um and he was also very much saying if you need to go and have time off have time off you know we understand that this is very difficult for you and the fact that you're turning up to work and doing a very demanding job is great so we'll work with you obviously and then when i had my had my colon removed and stuff i said take the time you need when you come back to work we'll come back to work with with how we we need to do it and fortunately to a certain degree the pandemic happened and everything moved on to teams uh-huh. so i didn't i didn't actually really need any adjustments if you will for being at work or anything like that um and uh, you know i do go to the office occasionally um, uh, and even then you know i've just got access to a disabled toilet keep all my you know ostomy and uh, supplies in a in a locker and that's it really they've been incredibly you know incredibly helpful with, with all of it so so yeah you know, it's been in that sort of sense it's been you know really beneficial to be working for the company that i do that's yeah that's so good that they've been so helpful because i know a lot of people who oh yeah like, have had like, terrible experiences had, had to really fight for the things that they've needed but it's interesting you're not the first person on this podcast to say that actually 2020 and the pandemic was probably a really good thing for them i know a lot of people yeah. who have some form of you need like mobility aids or accessibility issues who have all said actually 2020 everything moving on to teams or zoom was was great because they didn't have to fight for the things that they've been trying to fight for for so long yeah so and you can and i know so for me i was like well if i want to lie in bed all day i can lie in bed all day and do my work at the same time yeah i needed to run stuff so exactly. no they were they've been very 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 good with all of it and even now you know i've moved into um much more senior role um and i've told a lot of new people and they're like that's amazing that's so cool <laughs> how does it work and i'm like yeah it works like this and all this stuff and, like, and they just literally just ask loads and loads of questions i'm like look if i ever uh, if i'm ever in a meeting and we're in person and i'm like just like pressing on my stomach to make sure my bags are all okay they'll be like oh why don't you you do whatever and i have i have been in meetings that have been quite funny where um like naturally if you eat food some foods can make be quite gassy uh-huh so i have been in a meeting where uh lots of people like you know this process and these results are really you know are absolutely terrible and then my stoma is like a really loud fart oh, and no. i just and i've said well that, that, that's those are my thoughts on all of it as well <laughs> and i mean like, you know mds of countries and stuff like that and everyone thinks it's hilarious so you know. <laughs> You just got to laugh it off when you can do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And I actually said this earlier today. I was like, sometimes you just have to laugh it off because like that you you've literally got no other option. You you either laugh or like, you know, if you if you're not able to laugh, you die in mortification. But nine times out of ten it's actually quite funny. I mean, I I have always I've always had like uh you know, a, a comedic value when it comes to stuff like this. I'll always laugh at everything because uh, people may say there's a, that's a coping mechanism or whatever, but I'll just, I'll always look at the funny side of things and the positive sides. Yeah. Um, so if you can make a joke about it, 
why not? Yeah, I, I completely understand that. I completely understand that. So it, do you, you had this for 11 years before you got your colon taken out. So you must have been quite young when this all started for you. Uh, yes, I was 18 and I just started university. Wow, not so, the best time to be like going through something like that either. It was two weeks after Freshers Week as well. So I had assumed it's because I've been drinking and partying too much. Did you so, flu, you had it, you yeah. were down and out, and that was it, yeah. And went, right, let's just stop eating kebabs and drinking as much. Let's, you know, try and sort this out. Um, and the diagnosis process was actually the, the hardest part because yeah. doctors said, well, you're just a student, you're not eating proper food, eat proper food. And I'm like, well, I am trying. Every time I eat food, it does. it's not agreeing with me. Um and yes, it you know it took a good sort of six to eight months to get properly diagnosed. Um, so yeah, it was it was at that point it was quite challenging. Plus, I was just making new friends, and you know having to explain to people I've just got to keep running off to the toilet. It was quite embarrassing at the time. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, once I got my diagnosis, university were were great. You know, they they were like, we can offer you counselling. We can give you this ergonomically designed chair. Why why do I need a new chair? Why did you go to uni? I went to the University of Kent. Okay, well, Kent definitely sounds a lot better than where I went. (laughs) They gave me a new laptop. They gave me a new printer. They gave me all this because they were like, if you can't come into university, you need to have the ability to learn at home. So we'll give you everything you need to study at home. I was like, great. Oh my god! This is Kent University sounds amazing. Everybody, like, go to Kent Uni if it's on your UK form. Make it, it your first choice. <laughs> Canterbury, Kent, and uh, Canterbury, not not Christchurch, not that one. No, Canterbury. listen to the man; he knows what he's talking about. I mean, I'm sure all unis have a very similar sort of pastoral care system somewhere, but that's what I, I, I got. I, I will, so, I will say, I think some are better than others. I, I definitely, after speaking to a lot of different people, I think some some are a lot a lot hotter <laughs> on their pastoral care than others, but. I think it just depends where you end up but that sounds like you got a really sweet deal out of it <laughs> yeah it was it was and i think the weirder thing was they offered me counseling uh-huh. and I'm 18 year i'm an 18 year old they were like so you know come to a couple of sessions and i was like okay if i have to i like so you know you've now been diagnosed with, with you know colitis and that is a disability so how does that make you feel and i was like i don't really care i'm fine can can i go yeah and they were like, oh, you sure? And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, honestly, I'm, I'm just going to waste your time. There's going to be other people that probably really need counselling and therapy more than I do. I just, you know, thank you very much for all of this, but I'm just going to carry on and take my medication. If I need to come back, I will do, but I doubt it. And then just carried on. Yeah. So I actually have, I've got, I've got a question that's like been burning my brain. Go on. How, can you drink, like, because obviously if you were a student and you were going out quite a lot and like, you know, obviously if you're drinking quite heavily, it can upset your stomach. And yeah. I know that everybody knows what I'm talking about. So I don't need to go into like huge details. So now obviously <laughs> post operation, you're like drinking doesn't affect you like that. Awesome. So pre pre-operation, um, you, I would either, um, write the next day off uh-huh. because you're like, right. Tomorrow's going to be a write-off. Doesn't matter. It'll be fine. Or it might be that it, it, having a sort of a flare-up, if you will, I'd be running out in between the toilet anyway over the night. So I was like, well, I'm already here, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Now I have no issues whatsoever. Um, if I drink, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Um, without being too graphic, if you drink like 
loads of wine or, or beer, if you're not eating as much food, it just comes straight out as water because you haven't got anything in your stomach. Yeah. So your bag fills up really quickly. Um, and you just go home to your bag and carry on. I bet a lot of people would really enjoy that. Like not to make light hard in the situation, but I bet a lot of people would be like, oh, that sounds so much better. <laughs> Well, I mean, I did read, uh, you know, my, my, my doctor did say to me, this is the most e- efficient form of um, excreting. Uh, he actually didn't say that word, but he, he said the S word. <laughs> God, I, don't, I mean, the, the thing that I, I, I still can't get out of my head was I spent so long of my days for 11 years, now a third of my adult life, running backwards and forwards and sitting on the toilet. Uh-huh. And now I don't do that. I don't sit on the toilet. Wow. So... It's crazy. It, it's completely crazy. Do you remember the last time that you did sit on the toilet? Were you like, this is the last time? Uh, pre, pre-surgery, pre yes, because you have to do bowel prep and that's not nice. Lovely. <laughs> so I remember that well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I really just don't have to. I, I, I'll, I'll, well, it's a slight lie. I still have my rectum. Mm-hmm. Um, and occasionally like bits of mucus may yeah. have to come out so I still get the urge to go but that's like I don't know once every four or five months I thought you were going to say like days and I was going to be like yeah completely yeah. on that but like four to five months yeah I mean so it all depends on like you know if I'm very active running around drinking all these sorts of bits and pieces, it might happen. But yeah, it, it, it can be ages where I'm like, I need to actually go and pass something per yeah. se. So with all of this, and you've obviously gone through quite a journey because obviously it took 11 years from diagnosis to, to operation. And mm-hmm. through that, would you say that going through all of that gave you like a positive attribute? Because if you're not necessarily getting like the results that you want, you're constantly fighting, I completely assume, but if you're constantly fighting for something and you've come out the other side, do you see that almost that struggle is giving you something positive at the end of it? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I'd, I'd, maybe I always think lightly of my uh, symptoms and stuff at the time. I've always, I, I've always felt that I didn't have it as bad as others, um, if that makes sense. I know there's a lot of people in my community that have really struggled for a, very, for a really long time. Um, and I think, yes, you know, conditions affect people in different ways and all these sorts of bits and pieces. Um, but I, you know, I, and that sort of, if someone had said, it's, it's a bit odd, if someone said to me, like, at the start of when I was diagnosed and I had all these problems and said, don't do all the drugs, mm-hmm. don't go on this, don't go on this, you'll feel so much better if you go straight to operation, I might have been more inclined to have cut that 11-year gap out and gone, let's just get on with it. Because... I have my quality of life back. I don't take any meds. I have no issues, you know, touch wood and whatever, but I, yeah. I, I, I'm completely pain free. And across those 11 years, it was, here's some more very complicated drugs. Here's this drug that you give to cancer patients and patients that have had, you know, organ transplants. Here's another immunosuppressant, which is an experimental one. Let's see how this works. You know, sit there for hours on it a day, right? We're going to put, you know, drips into you and, you know, you've got to sit here for four hours, let that run through your system, right? Off you go. Go and have a blood test every week to make sure your kidney's not failing or your your, your liver isn't failing, all these sorts of things. If I went, if you just took that out and said, have the surgery, I, I probably would have said the surgery. That's really interesting because my next, like this rolls really, really well onto what I was next going to ask, which is actually, have you got a bit of advice that you would either give like a younger version of yourself 
or alternatively a younger person with the same disability as you so i'll probably do the latter because I'm, I'm still young i don't need to give myself further advice <laughs> <laughs> no um i think someone uh, recently asked me my age actually and i was like edit that out <laughs> <laughs> Oh, mate, it's, uh, to be fair, um, you never ask a lady's age, I should say. Yeah, no, so and I got like, asked it on quite a public platform and I was like, I cannot believe I've just been asked this question. <laughs> and I couldn't be like, I can't tell. So I was like, oh, I'm 27. And they were like, oh my goodness. And I was like, yeah, I know, I look like a child, carry on. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm 32, so... Uh, no, I'm not 30. I'm 32. Are, are you 32? I'm 32 this year, Jesus. Anyway, um, so uh, what I would say is to a young, someone that's younger that is in that uh, initial stage of diagnosis and things like that is um, a lot of people are scared of having a stoma and having the operation because from a a body uh, figure and and an aesthetic piece, your small intestine now hangs out of your gut Uh and you have a bag. And a lot of people really struggle with that. They really, you know, I get messages a lot saying, "How how did you, you know, uh, adapt to your to your new body? You know, you you make it look so good." Don't get me wrong; it is it is slightly difficult because you wake up one day and you've now got this big, clear plastic bag on you after surgery, yeah. and your stoma's like uh, your stoma's the size of a coaster like that. And then it, it shrinks all the way down um, and then you've got it and then you're fine. Um, and the advice I would give is like, uh, go, if, you, if you are going to consider having surgery or if you think about surgery, get some test kits, go get some stoma supplies and just wear having a bag on for a couple of days yeah. and see how, see how you feel. That really helped me adjust to what my body would then look like. Um, it's going to be a bumpy road. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, nothing is perfect. Nothing is smooth sailing. You are going to have complications. You may have to go back for, you know, additional procedures, or you may have hospital visits, or whatever it might be. But you have to look at it from maybe a long-term perspective. It gave me so much more freedom having this. Yeah. Um, I know others may think differently, but it gave me so much more surgery in a bag life much earlier. I, you know, I would have considered it much, much earlier. Yeah, and I think. it's true what you say about how you kind of now have a new body because part of your body that that functions one way now no longer functions in that way for you and and it's very different for you and I can understand how mentally that would be quite a challenge because Mm. because you know your body is now working differently you now have something that protrudes out of your body if you didn't have that before does it hurt no there's no nerve endings in it so, like, you 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 can't feel it or anything like that. No, I mean, I, I did a reel on this the other day, just prodding it like this. Yeah, and like, yeah, it doesn't doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt at all. The thing is, you can't. Uh, unlike your your bum, you've got a sphincter which you can control. This just it's like a tap, uh-huh. so it just goes. So you can't control when your small intestine passes, taste mm-hmm. or not. Um, so there will be times, you know, where if you're doing a bag change, you're like, right, I'll change a bag. Oh, God's sake. It's, yeah. It started again, right? <laughs> Wash, try again sort of thing. But, you know, these, these things happen. Uh, but yeah, no pain. Uh, it's, it's just 
I, I, I was fascinated by it when I <laughs> when I first got it. I just stare at it working. I'm like, this is incredible. Yeah, because I think I'm a bit the same right now. Because I'm like, oh my god, this is so interesting. And and I guess this is this is what it must be like to look out, like looking at another disability. Because obviously, this is so far this is so far removed from what my disability is. My disability is very physical. It's very there. So like, and I don't know any different. But this is obviously not physical. Well, it is physical in the sense that it's your body, but you can't visually see it unless you are stark bollock naked, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I could have I could have your boxes on, but yes. <laughs> I mean, like we can do that. I know, well. I know, I know, I know. I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's why I think the challenge I find uh, in comparison with yourself is just you have more of a visible disability. So if I go to the disabled toilets, people are like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, and I'm I'd, literally going to. I've got a bag, and they go, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry." I was like, "Yeah, I, I, I don't mind." Um, it's just, you know, it, lots of people look at me and they go, well, he's a, a healthy, active male. And I go, no, I'm disabled. They go, no, you're not. What are you about? And then I show them a bag and then they're like, uh, okay. You know, and people still think, oh, I, I just thought that was an accessory you were wearing. I, I don't understand it. So it's, you know, it, it is interesting from that sort of perspective. Yeah. But then I would sort of look at it. In the same way that obviously with your disability, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be able to necessarily get my head around how your disability affects you. Yeah. You know, and that's why, again, as I was saying earlier, I think the stuff that you're doing with your, your videos and you know, how you can adapt your way of life to what you want to do, I think is really empowering for a lot of people out there. Thank you. That means a lot. Thanks very much. Hey, no worries, mate. I, I've got so many like, things keep popping into my brain and I'm like you go, go for it ask, look, ask ask as many as you like I really don't mind I, I just I find it so fascinating so with your with your bag mm-hmm. so like do you have like an average time for how long one will last is it like oh you're or like how often you have to change it um well uh, it depends what I am doing so if I'm say for example um I get up in the morning um uh, I'll go to the gym or I'll do some very physical activity and stuff like that. I'll tend to then change my bag after. Uh, uh-huh. You know, it's 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 a big sort of a bag. It's got a big sticky like plate and that sticks to your, your uh-huh. stomach. Sort of. um, and naturally that will sort of wear over time. I can wear a bag for three or four days. Uh-huh. You know, if I'm doing lots of physical activity, it'll be about two days or so. Um, and I'll empty it because um, I have a drainable option, um, three or four times a day. Usually okay. it's towards the end of the day sort of thing. Um, and sometimes I have to get up in the night now. It's one thing I never had to do, but now I have to get up in the night, so it's fine. I just, I'm like so interested by this. So you can drain your bag, because in my head I was thinking that you would physically have to take the bag off and then place on a new one every time that you need to, every time yeah. it filled up. So there are some there are some individuals that have to have that. So because mine's an ileostomy, it's my small intestine, some people have stomas that are formed with their large colon, because they have a, a part of their colon removed and then they have the same sort of procedure. Uh-huh. And not to be too graphic, but with an ileostomy, your waist is a bit more liquidy, a bit like 
toothpaste or tomato puree is the best way to describe it. Yeah. People have a normal, healthy functioning system, just have solid poop. Mm-hmm. And you can't really drain that. So people tend to take it off and, and do those sorts of things. Um, my bag, literally, you just unfold it, squeeze out, fold it back up, done. Oh, my God, so easy. So easy. Yes, but the, the weird thing is, <laughs> I noticed this the other day, I kneel to empty it because it's the easiest way for me to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've now got like, you know, when you do workouts and you get like, uh, you know, bits around your hands sort of thing. Oh, like. Sad. Yeah, where you get like, yeah. So I've got the same thing now on my knee because I just kneel down all day. So I've got abrasions on my on my knee constantly. So I was like, why is my knee hurting? I was like, oh, all the skin is starting to come off. That's great. I need to sort that out. <laughs> so there you go. With, with all of this, and I know that I've just bombarded you with a load of questions, are there any particular questions that you find most annoying so for, for me, I always say that it's the what happened. And I think that's because obviously mine's a very physical disability. You can, you can see it. And, and to a certain extent, I think people sometimes want uh, like a big tragic accident or like some like theatrical story. And the reality of it is, is that that's just how I was born. But with, with you, I presume it might be different. Well, I, I actually, I won't presume, but I will assume that it's different because you can't necessarily see your disability if you just looked at you walking down the street? I mean, I don't, um, I've actually got a question for you, so I'm going to flip it around for you in a second. Um, I don't, uh, I don't have any questions really that annoy me. I think it's more of the sense that I am disabled in my head. And the things that annoy me are the comments when people say, well, you shouldn't be using that disabled toilet. Well, you're not really disabled though, are you? Sort of thing. Um, and that's what I find a bit more annoying. I, I have to answer any questions at all, but I had one incident actually where I was locked in a disabled toilet because they thought it was the end of the night. People didn't think anyone was in there because there was no uh, wheelchair users at the time. So I went to the toilet, emptied my bag, and went to come out, and the door was locked. And I started banging on the door, and the woman was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I was like, Why would you lock the door? And she was like, I didn't. Like no one uses this toilet, and I was like, that's not the point of a disabled toilet, you know. Yeah. I'll go into disabled toilets, and there's like it's like a storage cupboard. So I'll be like, oh, are these are these complimentary? And they're like, sorry. And I'm like, well, oh, there's, there's loads of beer in here. Can I have it? And I'm like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Like I didn't realise that. Like, yeah, I've got a radar key. Like I can I'm, I can get into it. So I find it I find it um, I actually find it quite funny sometimes, but it, it you know it's just one of those things. Yeah. What what questions do you find annoying then? So I spoke about this the other day and mm. for me it is the, the what happened question and I man, I kind of managed through doing this podcast to track it back as to why. So when I was growing up, mm. the life of me, this is the third time, I can't remember this woman's name, but it was when the girl in Australia's arm got bitten off by a shark when she was surfing. Right. So that was really prevalent when I was younger and I am blonde like she was, I'm five foot and a fluff like she was and my arm is missing and so automatically I think people assumed the exact same story because it hit the headlines and it didn't go away for weeks and I think probably from the age of about six to 16 that was the question it was either what happened or did did a shark bite your arm off and that was like relentless and it just got to the point where I was like no of course not like bear in mind we live in the UK there are no sharks in our waters or if there are, then they're probably really teeny tiny. Yeah. 
And also, I think it would have made like public news had that happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I would imagine so. Yes, I, you know. Though I think for for me, it's always like what happened, and and to a certain extent, I think people sometimes like to think that there's been like a big traumatic event, and mm. the idea of being born disabled sometimes I think can blow people's mind a bit. Yeah, and I think that, what do you mean? Always, yeah, exactly. And I think some people always think, oh, there's maybe like some theatre behind like, behind how you acquired your disability, where the, the reality of it is I actually literally came out exactly this way. And that, I think, can blow people's minds. And I think I spoke about this again, but I think it's because sometimes people are afraid of becoming disabled. So they almost want to avoid what happened. Yeah, it's it's a big stigma point constantly that you have to you know you have to battle with and you have to fight for if that makes sense and it's why I advocate as much as I do to show well it's actually it's all right like it's great I mean that really doesn't bother me and it shouldn't bother you more importantly like people that are normal I see it as a unique selling point quite frankly so you know I'm much yeah, more interested USP, right like yeah, exactly you know and it's you know it's, it's giving me a, a sort of semi-ish career outside of my normal work so it's it's, it's great so yeah. What I was going to ask you actually was um, obviously I, I mentioned about my body image and myself having to adjust, um, if you will. And I can imagine, like when you, you were younger, etc. You know, you said you were getting relentless questions and stuff like this. Did you find it hard, sort of growing up and accepting your um, sort of disability to a certain degree, or like Not changing really. schools? I imagine. Or, so I've always been, I've always known that I've been disabled and that there's never been like in my mind any question about it. And I've always been very much like, oh, I'm disabled. I've only got one hand. That it is what it is, but there's no changing it. And people used to say, oh, like you're missing your arm. And I would be like, I'm not missing it. I'm not going to find my arm down the back of the sofa. Like it's not missing. It's just- oh, there it is. Oh. Exactly. Like one time at uni, I may or may not have dressed up and put loads of fake blood on my arm and took an arm with me into the club and then threw it across the dance floor and screamed. That may have yeah. happened. I'm not, I'm not, I think I would have done exactly the same thing. It I was, literally would have done exactly the same thing. It was a really fun night, but I've always been very confident in the fact that I'm disabled and I've always been nine times out of 10. I've always been the person that I'm the only person that looks like me in the room. And I've never really struggled with that. Mm. What I more struggled with when I was young, like maybe in my teenage years a little bit, was pictures of me. I would always like I'd always be in group pictures. I would and I would never stand with like my right hand side out, partly yeah. because it was a bit, a bit awkward. Like, you know, you're a teenager, your body's changing. But also my left hand side is my good side, <laughs> like facially. So it was always better for me to stand on, on my left hand side. But I've always I've always been pretty confident in my disability. Yeah. but it's more that I've never seen myself represented mm. and I've never seen myself like on a TV show and I've never seen myself like as a romantic love interest. I've never seen myself in a sex scene, that type of thing. And mm. that was it, like, obviously I could relate to characters on TV and stuff, but for a really long time, I wasn't necessarily sure if that type of thing was, was available to me because I never saw it in the media or if it was there, it was highlighted as, this girl is amazing or this guy is amazing. Like he's going on this TV show. And I, I remember like a, a singer on like X Factor or something. And there was like a massive double page spread in a newspaper. 
And it was like, this girl is so brave for going after her dreams and she's only got one hand. And I was like, she's just living her life. Yeah, I know what you mean. And so it, it was it was very much like, either we're really going to he- heavily play into the inspiration porn, like, well done you, or we're not when it's just not there. And like yeah. representation is definitely getting better. Um, mm. And it's definitely so much better than when I was little. And now the likes of social media, Instagram, TikTok, all that kind of stuff. I think that's incredible because I've managed to meet and become friends with a lot of people who now look like me, but I didn't have that when I was little. So yeah. part and parcel of why I do this, because I think what if there was a mother and her child acquires a disability? Where, where does she turn to just to listen to disabled people talk and not talk about the medical side of disability, not to talk about like the social model of disability, just to listen to two disabled people talk about how they're actually pretty happy about being disabled. And there's, you know, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing to be feared, that type of thing. So that's why I, I kind of started this. I mean, I've had conversations with mums like going, my young daughter or son is going to go and have this operation. I really don't know what to do. Like, what do you say? It's like, let's, let's just have a chat. Like, let's, yeah. all you want to hear is, is it going to be okay? Yeah. And that's so it. Work through that. Let's, you know, let's have a conversation about it. Any questions asked, call me. I don't care. And I'm, I'm very much an open book when it comes out like, onto social media because, you yeah. know, just to go back on your point. When social media is used well, it works very well. Yeah. And I've, I've just like you, I've, I've got, I've got some really close friends that I've never met in my entire life yeah. through social yeah. media that are all in my community and they helped me through surgery because yeah. in hospital, and I, ironically, I've, I've had my surgery pre-pandemic. Um, literally, you were lucky. <laughs> it was the week before they stopped doing it. Um, and uh, I actually had to go and have a second operation during the pandemic. And both experiences were very lonely if you have no idea what this is yeah. and you've not anyone to speak to or turn to. And I, I remember sitting there going, if I didn't have my phone, I would be viewing this in a completely different way. Yeah. I'd be like, this is, this is frightening. Like, what, what is this? So the fact that there is you know, advocates out there uh, it just it really really helps it really helps yeah and definitely I can imagine especially if you're in hostel during the pandemic I can imagine like visiting hours didn't exist it probably was like maybe just you on your ward like all covered in in my head you're like lying in a hostel bed like covered in plastic <laughs> no no I wasn't I didn't have like an infectious disease where like you know you'd have a <laughs> like Ebola or something like that I didn't have yeah. that no I um, I was actually on a ward with a few patients, um, but it was like private hospital. Uh-huh. So I went in because I, I basically the, the, I kept having blockages. So they said we're going to have to basically make this is going to sound quite like big headed. I don't mean it. Um, I had a problem because your intestine comes out of your abdominal wall, uh-huh. and they said, your abs are too strong. So we need to make the hole that we've cut into your abs bigger because it just keeps clamping down on your uh-huh. stomach and you don't like it. I was like, okay, thanks. So I went in. I'm a strong boy. <laughs> <laughs> I went into hospital and they said, yeah, it's fine. It looks like it's completely flushed. It looks exhausted. We're going to have to change it. Um, tomorrow morning? How's that sound? Perfect. I was like, yeah, great. 
normally it'd be like we're going to have to wait until you know award becomes available and that might be a couple of days yeah. or a couple of weeks uh, you know and they were like yeah no problem at all that like, will book you in and i and I, was, I said to my doctor like pre-pandemic this surgery kept being put off like are you sure and he said i've got operation uh, operating theaters available i've got an anesthetist available i've got your consultant available why should we not do it and he's like, i've been I've, I've been doing other duties all day i'd like to go and do my normal day job and i was like okay yeah. great let's go. Yeah. So i literally messaged my mum and dad going uh i'm gonna go to theater in a few hours seeing a bit and i'm like oh my god that's really really quick i was like yeah it's like private it's great <laughs> yeah that's like yeah super super quick like what within a couple of hours realistically yeah. that's that's crazy with with your stoma and obviously i i know that you exercise because you said you, you said before the podcast that you try and fit in a workout uh, where you can and i'm wondering obviously if your abs were obviously quite strong how is it now and especially around that area and the only reason i'm asking this is because i know that when women have a c-section they've got to be incredibly careful of their abdominal walls so you obviously have something protruding out of your abdominal walls so how does that like affect exercise for you so uh, the the main thing really is uh, post-surgical hernias uh-huh that's that's effectively what can happen um you know you're because you've cut into that area yeah that area is naturally going to be now weaker you've got something hanging out of it so you need to make sure your actual abdominal wall is sturdy and strong enough so your internal organs don't start to fall out per se and um, so basically the first couple of weeks after surgery they were like you need to although you've got a strong wall we still need to strengthen that again because we've mm-hmm. cut into it you need to make sure the scar tissue heals correctly and all these sorts of things um so you just need to take it slowly but we need to build up your abdominal strength again um and then it was like right you can do weightlifting go and do it but do it slowly carefully wear like a hernia support belt sort of thing there's some great you know companies that have uh given me some stuff on the nhs which is a brilliant obviously the nhs i cannot do enough i cannot praise them enough get it all on prescription um and i'll just put support band around me and i'll go to the gym do heavy lifting you know deadlifting squats all those sorts of things core exercises um and a lot of people are very scared to go and weightlift you know yeah. i've got i've got friends that have exactly the same condition they'll go and fitting go do crossfit games and those sorts of things and everyone's like how can you do that and it's like because i i can i'm strong yeah. enough to do it and a big part of it is you need to get over that mental block yeah and for anyone that's going to listen to us, go. Oh, well, I'm interested in getting into exercise, and you know, I want to get back to the gym because I loved it. Go and do it. Plan it. Like, be sensible. Like, don't be an idiot. Because if you overexert yourself too early on, you will give yourself problems. But take your time. Start slow and build things up, and gradually keep going. And then you should be absolutely fine. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what you said. Is quite key. Is is take it slow in the beginning don't go out like all guns blazing because that is a recipe for disaster for everyone and that's not just like disabled people that is like universal <laughs> you don't train for a marathon in a week and go and do it do you no that is true exactly so you would you know i mean it's it, you have to prepare and do it properly to go and do that event if that's what you want to do so do the work and then you'll, you'll be fine amazing so i've got one last question and it's a question that i'll ask every single guest and I love it because every single guest has the exact same answer. 
So, um, oh, we're going to be different now, aren't I? Oh, the thing is, I don't think you will be because it, it's one of those questions where, like, we all know the answer. So, Ant, are you disabled and proud? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I am. Uh, so it's one thing that I always find is people say, you, you know, your disability doesn't define you. Um, and that's fine if that's how you view it. I, I think it has now, it certainly has defined me now and my life now. And I'm incredibly happy. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, got a, I've got a great career. Um, I'm running around doing fitness in bits and pieces. I've got an amazing girlfriend because, again, people who date with a disability are like, oh, my God, I'm never going to find someone or something like that. Yes, you will. Uh, you know, it, the more people are advocating and showing that differences are okay and actually are absolutely fine, the more people will be like, oh, great, no worries at all. Yeah. And you know, having this has completely changed my life for the better, yeah. which is a very odd thing to say, but it has. But you're not the first person to say it either. So I think yeah. that, that 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 rings true the point is that actually for some people acquiring their disability is the best thing that can happen to them. Yeah, which is so counterintuitive. It really is because... Yeah, I mean, if someone said to me when I was seventeen, in a year, in a year's time, you're going to go to university and your life is going to change forever, that would be so overwhelming. But you know, it's it, it has completely changed my life for the better. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you so much <laughs> for answering all of my bizarre questions. I really enjoyed this chat. I've, I think I'm going to have. I'm going to be up all night now thinking of like all the different questions. I'll be sending you messages, being like, "So can you do this?" And and what about this? Yeah. You'll be like, "Brooke, you need to leave me alone." <laughs> <laughs> you are no, honestly, seriously. You're almost to ask as many questions as you like. Um, a lot of what I'm doing at the moment is a lot of people ask me questions, and I'm actually putting it into reels and stuff yeah. like that. Get nothing. It's not you only asking that question. There'll be loads of people asking the same questions. Yeah. And I think the education piece is quite key. Yeah. Um, so yeah. But seriously, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I'd love to come on again if you want to go. And I've now got 85 more questions. Here we are. Yes. I love it when people say they want to do part two. I'm like, yes, another one in the bag. <laughs> we could do loads of things. Like, again, things I get asked all the time. You're disabled. Does that mean you can... Uh, have intimate relations with someone <laughs> oh, my favorite question was once so can you have sex and i was like it's my arm that's missing and i was like there is there's like let's like let's think about this logically like as like bodies go my arm is nowhere near like my sexual organs so so yeah i can't i can't <laughs> like, so this is this is a, a bit of a, a segue um there are my nurse Stoma nurses came down and said, right, are you heterosexual? All these other respites. I said, yeah, no, straight guy. Yeah. I said, can I ask why? And she said, well, we have to say to patients, if you are thinking of experimenting in the bedroom and bits and pieces, do not do anything with your stoma because we have people that come in that will have experimented and had complications. And I was like, okay. Uh, no, I won't be doing any of that, but thank you. <laughs> and then I was like, really? And she was like, yes. And I won't go into the list. She then said, I've had patients that have had this and had this and had this. I'm like, are you joking? He's like, yeah, could we say no? And then people go, well, you said no, so I want to try it. So yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I kind of love this. Part two is definitely happening. <laughs>
You'd have to do it past 9pm for the watershed. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. I've really appreciated this. And thank you for giving up your time to come on because I know that it's like your evening and we all want to chill. But thank you so, so much for coming on. Thank you. No, it's an absolute pleasure. And, and yeah, lovely to meet you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disabled and Proud. If you've enjoyed the show, then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. It really helps us to reach more and more people each week. Plus, if you've got a particular highlight, then I'd absolutely love to hear it. Tag me on your Insta stories at Disabled and Proud Podcast.